is a presentation of WIM, Westminster Youth Ministry. God has given us emotions. The way that we feel comes out through these emotions. This can be a good thing. However, oftentimes, our emotions can lead us to say and do things that we don't put much thought to. In this study called I've Got This Feeling, Emotion in the Bible, we are going to spend the semester looking at different types of emotion and seeing how the world views those emotions and what is the biblical view. We hope you enjoy. Jack, would you mind opening us in prayer? Amen. Okay, so tonight we're going to talk about stress, anxiety, nervousness, worry. So I want to start by asking you to think about the things that stress you out the most. You don't say it out loud. Maybe that person sitting in the room that stresses you out the most. But don't say it out loud. But just think about the things or the situations that stress you out the most. Maybe even just thinking about those things causes the hair on your arms to stick up. Maybe those things cause you a bit of angst and anger. The things that stress us out, they overtake our minds and they overtake our hearts in very bad ways. And what exactly about these things cause you so much worry? What about them causes you so much worry? And again, you don't have to answer this out loud. But what about these things causes you so much anxiety? What about these things make you nervous? And I think when we think about these questions, we start to see the reasons why those things affect us in those ways. And it helps us to then frame how we can react to those things. The good news is we serve a God who loves us, who knows our stresses, knows our anxieties, and knows what makes us tick. Okay? And he has a very good solution for us. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. So Jesus is the Lord of our stresses and the Lord of our anxiety. So tonight, this is what I want to focus on. Okay. And I want to frame it this way because I think this is a helpful way of looking at it. Stress, anxiety, nervousness, worry, all the above, they all stem from a need for control over our situation. So let's break up into three groups, as always. Jack, start us off. We'll go this way. All done? 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 Okay. Let's come back together. So let's talk about control. Who here would consider themselves a control freak? And that's, it's okay to raise your hand. We tend to like control in our lives, right? Let's look at why we seek control over our anxieties and the things that stress us out. So let's turn to 1 Kings 19, 1 to 4. This is actually a passage that we just preached on in both services. This is the story of Elijah and Jezebel. So if I can get somebody from group 1 to read verses 1 to 4 for me. Thank you, Jack. The context of this passage, Elijah has just taken out the prophets of Baal. Okay, he's proven that their gods were false, proven that their sacrifices were not worthy, and strike them down. So Jezebel is obviously not very happy about that. So what does she do? Yeah, she's like, okay, well, you took out my prophets, now you're going to die. Okay, What do you think she's stressed or worried about at this point? Okay. Yeah, okay, so she's seen the power of the true God, and she's like, whoa, my prophets couldn't do that. I'm kind of scared of that. So she's worried that what's going to happen, that God might strike her down. 
that's what her goal is. She's going to go after Elijah. She's witnessed the most intense display of God's power, and she's afraid for her own life. Okay, her gods and her prophets failed, and she's trying to save face by saying, okay, well, maybe I can just kill this guy and all this will go away. So how does her reaction show her need for control? Okay, yeah, she's trying to take things in her own hands. Okay. Now, what does it say about our need for control in certain situations? What are we ultimately trying to do when we're trying to control the things that worry or stress us? I'm sorry? Yeah, control the outcome or just make it go away, right? Most of the time we just want to make things disappear so that we can feel better. She obviously doesn't want to die, so the fear of death is leading her to do everything that she can. So she's in survival mode right now. Death brings about a certain level of stress and anxiety on anybody. So she seeks to control that by killing off the one that she fears can bring her death. So what does her reaction teach us about how we might handle our stress? Okay, yeah, don't kill people. That's a good start. If we kill people when we're stressed, that would not be good for any of your friends or your family. Okay, Hannah? Yeah, we can oftentimes in our stress take our frustrations out on other people. You ever been so stressed that you just lash out at somebody and then you realize later that person had nothing to do with my anxiety, but I took it out on them, okay? A guy named David Pallison... I've referenced a company called CCEF quite a bit through this study. This is Christian Education Counseling Foundation. <laughs> I always have to think about what this stands for. David Pallison, Ed Welch, these are guys that I've been quoting a lot in this study. This is a quote by David Pallison. He says, Worriers act as if they might be able to control the uncontrollable. Central to worry is the illusion that we can control everything. The illusion of control lurks inside your anxiety. Anxiety and control are two sides of the same coin. And when we can't control something, we worry more about it. So it's just this never-ending cycle of anxiety, control, stress, control, nervousness, control, worry, control, over and over and over. So that gets at the heart of why we feel like we need control, because we want things to go away. We want things to essentially settle down to the point where we're not under threat anymore. Something that we care about is not under threat. Let's look at why we can't control. Group two. Somebody from group two, read Matthew 6, 25 to 34 for me. Awesome. Thank you. That's a long pass. Thank you for reading. Why do we hate being out of control? 
Why do you hate being out of control? Don't know what's going to happen? Don't happen? I don't get to it. You don't get to control it? Gideon? Yes, we have no effect over the outcome. We hate being out of control because there's this fear that our circumstances are going to become this thing that we cannot bear or things that we might struggle under. We hate being out of control of our relationships because there might be potential for hurt. You don't have control over your teams or your classes or your schoolwork. And that's frustrating because we would love to be be in control of our our grades, right? If you had the grade book, school would be a lot easier, right? (laughs) Well, that's just not the way it works. So we hate that control that others might have over us. We hate being out of control of our finances because there might be a reality that we're spending too much and we have to cut back. And we don't like our checkbook telling us stop spending money because that goes against our own selfish nature. Okay? Individualism finds its roots in control. We, we're always thinking about ourselves. And that's what Jesus is really getting after in this passage. What is at the heart behind that hatred of control? What do you think the ultimate underlying sin is there? Gideon. <laughs> While Gideon's pulling up a verse, somebody, anybody else like to answer the question? The question is, what is at the heart of our hatred of being out of control? Yeah. You can go ahead. Yeah. Okay, selfishness, yeah. Gideon? Starting from Genesis 3, 4, the serpent said to him, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, God will be able to be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay. So they want control the Okay. There we go. I'm so proud of you. You give him a round of applause. Gideon took initiative and answered the question before I even got to it. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Gideon. Yeah, so we want to control knowledge. We want control over ourselves, right? That's why Adam and Eve sinned, because they wanted to be able to eat that fruit and have that knowledge. What does Jesus tell us about control in this passage? What does he tell us? He says that Things are, yeah, Jesus is saying that who's in control? I am, okay? Ultimately, the heart behind what Jesus is getting across here is you hate being out of control, and you hate other people being in control of you. That's essentially our sin as people. We hate other people dictating our lives, our choices, just about everything that we can do. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm in control, okay? And I know you don't like me being in control, but I'm in control. Okay, and things are going to be okay. okay. Things really will be okay. They're worrying about food. They're worrying about drinks. They're worried about the clothing that they're going to wear. And Jesus is saying, look, look at the birds, okay? Feeds those birds, but they're still taken care of, right? The flowers, they're still sprouting up beautifully. So he's telling us that, look, you may hate the control that I bring to your life, but it's the best thing for you. It's the thing that you need the most, okay? There are things about our lives that we can control, okay? That you can control which shoes you put on each day. And we may view that as a sovereign part of God's will for us, but ultimately we do have choices over our decisions. And you can control certain things about your life, and that's okay. The types of relationships that we enter into, sometimes there are very unhealthy relationships that we can be part of. Okay? It's good for that. Ultimately, the control over circumstances that we literally cannot do anything about, that's what Jesus is pointing to here. And he's saying, I need you to trust me in this. Okay? It may hurt for a little bit. It may be hard for you to trust me, but I need you to quit overburdening yourself with your anxiety and trust in me. Can you give me an example? Um, what can I say? Like, where somebody has control over, like, everything that you do. Okay. And, like, you can't. Okay. 
Okay, so God calls us to trust in him. Okay? Oftentimes he puts us in certain situations and in certain relationships that may be difficult, may be hard to manage, may be hard to navigate, but he still calls us to honor him through those things. So if we're under somebody that's like hyper-controlling, it's not good, and we're not to just like lay over and you know, let them just steamroll us all the time. But he does call us to honor those that he's put over us, which is a hard balance. I'm not saying it's easy. Say you live in a country that has a dictator. Okay? We're still called to honor our leaders. In some ways, you know, if they're telling you, go kill this person, no, I'm not going to do that. There is a balance where we have to honor those that we've been put under, but also lean into and trust in God in those things. Again, that's much harder to do than it is to say, so I don't know if I answered your question or not. Okay. All right, so we hate the idea of others being over us. And there are good and bad ways that we can have influence over our circumstances, but what Jesus is really trying to get across here is ultimately he's the one that is over you, and he's the one that we should be trusting in everything. So we can hoard our money. That's a sense of control. We can make lots of money and just, it's mine. Okay? I don't want to give it to anybody. I don't want anybody to have access to it. But we can't control an economic crash. Okay? We can't control the economy just falling out from underneath us. We can avoid relationships, but we can't, can't avoid the loneliness that comes from that. You can pour out your time, your efforts, and your money into things that are precious to you. But ultimately, accidents, theft, disaster happens, and we can't control those things. We can't control a Hurricane Katrina from hitting New Orleans. If we don't know God well, we tend to treat him like ourselves. We tend to treat him like we would expect him to act like if we were him. We can seem impatient when he puts us in situations that we can't control. But what do you think the Lord's doing when we're put in those situations? Y'all read it in your James passage. Okay, trying to grow our faith. So the James passage that y'all read, what is the purpose of our trials? Yeah, to strengthen us, to help us grow closer to him, to release that control that we try to have over everything and say, Lord, this is hard. I'm going to trust in you. Jesus says that our control that we seek on our lives is because we fear losing something. But he's saying, look, the only thing you need is me. So how do we hand over that control? Let's do this last part here. Matthew 11, 25 to 30. Who would like to read that? Okay, thank you. At the time, Jesus All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal it. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is Okay, thank you. What is the ultimate solution to our stress and anxiety according to what Jesus is saying here? Ethan. Okay. Faith, trusting in God. Uh, so our faith, our faith, our trusting in God is the ultimate solution for those things. The ultimate solution is to take stress and give it to the Lord, to pray and ask the Lord, I can't deal with this right now. I can't, I can't even figure out how I'm supposed to accomplish the things that I'm supposed to do here. It's stressing me out so bad. I need to give this to you, Lord, because I'm being crushed by this. Jesus walked this earth. He faced the same type of things that we face, the same temptations, the same stresses, the same anxieties, but he held up under that pressure. He held up under that because he is perfect and good. And he has lived that life in order that he might give us the ability to face the things that we face each and every day. Now, this is a very interesting question because I, I think this helps us work through some things. What are some bad coping mechanisms for our stress? Yes. Stress eating. Man, I'm right there with you, okay? I'm a stress eater. Ice cream is my friend when I'm stressed. That's a really good answer. We try to bury ourselves in that. Yes. Okay, so some sort of physical thing, Joshua? So sin. 
Procrastination. Man, that's a good answer. It's a really good answer, Hannah. Hiding. Like, literally. Hiding. So finding a a hole and just kind of just going in the hole. Peter? Okay. Drugs. So sin. These are all bad coping mechanisms. Okay. And ultimately, what are we trying to do when we go to those things? We're trying to control. We're trying to control how we feel. We're trying to control our whole situation. We go to drugs because we like the way it makes us feel. Okay. And if we feel good, then that means that we forget about our stresses. If we stress, if we go and we eat a tub of ice cream, a tub of Bluebell cookie two-step ice cream, okay, and we eat the whole thing, we get to the bottom of that and we're like, oh, I thought that would make me feel better, but it didn't. So these are bad coping mechanisms. We all have those, and there are some good ones. So what would be a good coping mechanism for your stress? Gideon. Okay, reading the Bible. That's a great coping mechanism. Joshua. Worship? Yeah, okay. Okay, talking to other people about it, yeah. Fellowship. Fellowship. These are all good things, okay? So there are good ways for us to cope with our stress. Now, what does Jesus promise in this passage? That he will give you rest. He promises rest. He promises that we will find rest in him, and he invites us into that. He wants us to find that rest in him. He wants you to know that he can provide that for your heavy burdens. What does he not promise in this passage? Will had a good one. Will? What did you think of this Yeah. Okay, see, he doesn't promise that he's just going to take your stress and, like, okay? He's not promising that your stress is going to go away. But what he does promise is he's going to give you rest amidst that stress. Yes? He's also not promising that he's going to take away your work, that we're causing that stress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't promise that once he gives you that rest, oh, everything's going to be easy from now on. There's still part of our sanctification that has to come in. There's still part of our heart change that still has to happen. But he does promise rest. He doesn't exactly promise that he's going to take all those things away. And that's a hard thing for us to wrestle with, okay? Because most of the time we just want to push the Jesus button, make everything go away, and everything's great. But Jesus loves when we follow him. He calls us to follow him. He invites us into that. When thinking about stress, if you think about metal, each type of metal, whether it's steel, titanium, aluminum, tin, that's not a metal, whatever kind of metal it is, okay? Every type of metal has a stress You know what a stress point in metal is? It's a point where it's strong enough to do some things, but at some point it's going to break. So each type of metal has a different stress point. We all have different stress points. Okay, We can put on the tough guy or tough girl face and face our stresses all we want, but at some point we're going to get to a point where we can't bear it anymore. And our solution, the biblical solution to our emotion of stress is to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, I hate that I'm not in control of this, and I'm asking you, for your control. And I'm asking that I can trust you in that. I want to follow you in that. Because that's the best thing for us. Again, because he provides that rest, right? He provides that rest that we need so desperately. The Bible wants to show us that in all circumstances, from being stress-free to being an absolute wreck because of your stress, that we need to find our hope and our trust in Jesus. And that's what I want you all to see tonight. Because the beautiful thing is, the Lord can grant us a great level of peace as we surrender that control over to him. And again, it doesn't take the stressful people away in your life. It doesn't take away the stressful circumstances. But he does give us a context in which to live in those things. A guy that I was reading this week, he says, The liberating news is that the God who created you took responsibility to recreate you. Christ came from the heart of God not only to reveal his unchanging love, but to provide a basis for reorienting and transforming our brains to trust in him more. So what he's trying to say there is, the more we lean into God in the midst of our stress, it's almost like muscle memory. The more we do it, the more we see the fruit in it, the more we, we begin to trust in that. Kobe Bryant used to take 5,000 jump shots a day during the off season. That's a lot of jump shots. That takes a long time. But he did that so that during the season, he could get to a, a last-second shot and just drain it. 
And the Lord's calling us to do the same. Continually go back to him. And it's almost going to become second nature to you. Take a, a few moments this week and really dwell on those Matthew passages, Matthew 6, Matthew 11. And just think about the things that stress you out and what the Lord calls us to do in the midst of those things. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Holy Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you that we can come together and talk about these emotions, Lord. Because oftentimes we try to handle them on our own. And we ask that you would help us to continue to look towards your word and trust in you in all things. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio coming from WYM.